Leaders, yes. The answer of make a positive impact is the actual right answer to that interview question because leaders should set out to make a positive difference or change in their area of the world. But do the majority of leaders really know how to make a positive impact? I'm afraid not. You see, it's the action of the how that truly separates position level leaders and legacy leaders from each other. on the Rocks podcast, where we equip and empower leaders like you to thrive in and create harmony between your professional and personal lives. I'm your host, Bethany Reese, and in today's episode, we'll learn how to truly make a positive difference in the world by learning about the five domains of impact and working through the first two, self and relationships. I have interviewed hundreds of people in my life. And not to take away from the true passion behind applicants' answers, but I can almost mouth word for word their answer to the, so why do you want this job, question. A significant portion of applicants answer the question one of two ways. They say either, I want to make a difference, or I want to make a positive impact. Okay, all right, decent answer. And now my follow-up question is, what does making a positive impact here look like? I don't mean to be sarcastic or cynical in my follow-up question, but we're such an over-marketed society of people that I can't help but press in a little harder when people give textbook answers and throw out buzzwords in an interview. Without some sort of experience, examples, or research following their answers, it becomes pretty easy to sniff out the BS. They just know the words. They don't actually know what they mean and how to apply them. But then again, making a positive impact is the right answer to the question. Leaders should want to make a positive impact. But what the heck does making a positive impact really mean? Let's take a deep dive into what that means and what steps you have to take to truly accomplish that lofty goal. Now, you know me by now. You know that I have to define words if we're going to be throwing them around. (laughs) I strongly believe that before we can have dialogue, we have to have a common understanding of what we're actually talking about. Otherwise, we end up in a situation like in the Princess Bride movie where the evil mastermind kept saying the word inconceivable and Enigno Montoya tells him, you keep using that word. I do not think it means what you think it means. (laughs) So what does impact mean anyway? Well, according to Merriam-Webster Dictionary, impact means one of two things. First, impact is the act or force of one thing hitting another. Or impact can be a powerful or major influence or effect. When discussing leadership though, most people lean into the influence definition versus the force hitting something. Although we've probably all had a moment at work where we thought about hitting something just to make a point. (laughs) So now let's define influence. Influence is defined as the capacity or power of persons or things to be a compelling force on or produce effects on the actions, behaviors, or opinions of others. So really, impact and influence are both major forces acting upon something or someone. Taking the influence concept, I define leadership impact as becoming the catalyst for positive change within a given area. In other words, leaders are supposed to have such a great influence that people or things respond to a call to action. And action, my friends, is what leads to change. 
leaders. So yes, the answer of make a positive impact is the right answer to that interview question because leaders should set out to make a positive difference or change in their area of the world. But do the majority of leaders really know how to make a positive impact? I'm afraid not. You see, it's in the action of the how that truly separates position level leaders and legacy leaders from each other. In my years of serving as a leader, a layperson at church, as a wife, a mother, or even a friend, I have found that there are five specific domains of impact in which all leaders must work through to grow their influence for positive change. And most leaders don't work through the domains. They feel stalled out in their influence and grow frustrated. They want to influence large groups of people, but don't even know how to lead themselves. While the domains of impact are not created equal in their projected influence, they are definitely linked so that one cascades into the next. As the leader's influence moves between each domain, it scales or is extended in audience size. This impact can be positive or negative, but each domain will determine the greater level of impact. The five domains of impact are self, relationships, culture, organization, and community. Why do I call these five things a domain of impact? Because a domain, and yes, here I go again with common language, is a specified sphere of knowledge or activity. If we want to have a positive impact, we have to learn the knowledge and positive actions to take within each sphere or area with such great fervor that its positive influence spills over into the next area. Now remember that leadership is simply influence, and influence is always like a fountain. It has a cascading effect. Why? Because we are all influenced by someone and are in turn influencing others. Again, this can be a positive or negative cascading effect. In other words, someone's self-domain or the knowledge and actions of themselves is a compelling force on your relationship domain with them. It affects your opinions, actions, and behaviors with them. And then your self-domain in turn becomes a compelling force on other relationships you have with other people. So the hard question here is, if we say we want to make a positive impact, then are we really being intentional with this compelling force of influence within each domain? And especially as leaders, how are we scaling our influence to the larger domains of impact? For example, each action, interaction, circumstance, or event begins with the I, the self, how I interpret, judge, and label it. My interpretations, judgments, and labels are then passed into my relationships with others, which filters into the cultures in which I'm a part of, which then continues to overflow into my organizations, and finally, my community. But here's the crazy part. The impact can not only slide from self to community, but backwards from community to self as well. Just like the notes on a music scale, impact is a sliding scale. So to explain the backwards version a little more simply, one person impacts relationships that he or she are involved in, and that impacts the culture, which impacts the organization, which impacts the community. However, if the scales are to slide the other direction, then our communities and how we're brought up in that community can impact the organizations in our lives. Think of schools, community centers, which impacts the cultures we're involved in, 
which impacts how we relate to one another, which impacts how we view ourselves. As the people on the hit show Manifest would say, <laughs> it's all connected. <laughs> now, that sounds like some deep psychology with the foundational thoughts of nature versus nurture, but don't worry, I'm not going there. All right, today we're going to walk through the first two domains of impact, the self and relationships, because they are what create the momentum for positive impact within the other three domains, culture, organization, and community. We'll cover the last three domains next week. Now, on to learning the first domain of impact, the self. Our first domain of impact is often the hardest one because it requires the most work. In our fountain of influence for positive impact, the self is the perpetual pump that keeps our fountain of influence and leadership flowing. If you've ever seen a fountain, you know that the pump is what makes it work. It is what creates a great momentum to keep the waters flowing from the pool at the bottom to the top tier, so then gravity can do its work in cascading the water to all the different levels. Well, when leaders don't work on the domain of self, their cascading waters of influence and impact will eventually run dry because they don't have the healthy mechanics to create the momentum needed for greater impact. The self is the pump that pushes the waters of our influence through the domains of impact. And that strength of the pump determines the height at which our influence waters can cascade. Leaders that do not have a solid understanding of self, of who they are and how they relate to and interact with others, cannot withstand the pressure of the other domains. Again, without the solid mechanic pump of understanding self, the waters of our leadership fountain stand stagnant and unmoving. Without the solid mechanics of understanding self, no person can find harmony. No relationship can endure. No culture can flourish. No organization can scale. And no positive community impact can be made. And here's how you can grow in the self-domain so that your fountain doesn't run dry. So first in the domain of self, you have to have a strong foundation in your identity and purpose. And what I mean by that is truly knowing who you are, what you believe, and what your life's purpose is. So many people are seeking validation and affirmation from other people or things like money and power. They don't know who they are without those people or those things. Knowing who you are, what you believe, and what your life's purpose is centers you in such a way that it cannot be shaken by the circumstances you experience. It's not to say that you'll never experience stress, because of course you will, but your identity is not tethered to another person, a job, a title, a paycheck, or stuff like houses and cars. Second, you need to be intentional in growing your emotional intelligence, or the ability to identify and manage your emotions. Growing in your emotional intelligence means you have self-awareness and you know what motivates you <laughs> and what ticks you off. You have a realistic understanding of your social skills. You know the ticks that you have, the stories and the toxic thoughts you tend to have. And by knowing all of this about yourself, you work to develop self-regulation. Having a high emotional intelligence is like having your own personal pause button on a remote where you can pause the situation happening around you and think through how you feel, how others are probably feeling, and how you should respond versus react. So many leaders react based on their first gut emotions. 
This usually ends up with the outcome of really having a negative impact, not a positive one. The best leaders out there that truly make a positive impact on anyone they're around, they seem to rarely react with big emotions. Have you noticed that? They instead tend to respond with empathy, or maybe they seek more information about the situation first. Or maybe they just have experience and wisdom and they are able to provide that wisdom and it seems to put everybody at ease. Now, third, and this by far is the hardest one in the self-domain, leaders that create the biggest positive impact are not focused on promoting the self. They are humble. They are not selfish, prideful, and ego-driven. To truly win with the self, you need to understand this one truth. Now lean in and listen to me carefully. It is not about you. Let me say that again. It is not about you. It being the recognition, the popularity, the story, the service, the job, the conversation, the project. None of it is about you. It's about everybody else. It's about you serving others. Leaders that are out for themselves make an impact, all right. (laughs) A very negative one. They have a hard time in relationships because they're always blaming the other people and taking no ownership for their own actions. They have a hard time with culture because they don't focus on developing and modeling norms for the greater good. They are terrible at leading organizations because they don't serve their stakeholders, they only serve themselves. And they are awful at creating a positive impact within the community because their intentions are just not true. So let's recap. The first domain of impact is the self. And while its numerical impact may seem small, it's just you, it is in fact the greatest of all the domains of impact because everything flows from the self. As Proverbs 27, 19 says, as in water, face reflects face, so the heart of man reflects the man. So in summary, as if leadership wasn't hard enough, The reality in the how of making a positive impact, step one, must always start with the self. And the ultimate goal in the self-domain is to know the self, grow the self, and not focus on the self. Yes, our self is an amazing creation, but so are our relationships with others. We need deep, meaningful relationships with others to mentally survive, just like we need our bodies to physically survive. And just like our bodies, our relationships can become healthier when we're more conscious of what we put into them. So the second domain of impact is relationship or how we connect with one another. Without positive relationships, there is no way you can make a positive impact on culture, organization, or a community. Because guess what cultures, organizations, and communities are made of? People. Yeah. Thank you, Captain Obvious. (laughs) In leadership, people are your greatest asset and greatest responsibility. So if you want to make a positive impact, you had better know how to positively interact with others. In leadership, just like in life, there's different types of relationships and different roles that we play in each type. At work, my role is the ultimate authority figure and visionary. At home, I'm the helper to my husband's lead, but also I play the role of administrator, coach, and or counselor to my kids. With my friends, I'm just a person in need of laughter therapy all the time. And with my God, 
I'm more like a sheep that would easily fall off a cliff without his daily shepherding. But no matter what role you or I play in any relationship, our purpose in that relationship should always be to love and care for the person or persons we're involved with. Now, I'm guessing you're probably thinking, wait, wait, wait. Did I just hear her say love and care for people beyond my family? As in the people I work with or lead? And my answer is yes. But also just any person you encounter in any situation, because all people deserve love, respect, and dignity. Remember how I started this episode kind of talking about a cascading fountain of influence to make a positive impact? Well, here's our first opportunity for the actual cascading part. As we learned in the domain of self, I have to work towards three things. First, be solid in knowing who I am and what my life's purpose is. Two, growing in my emotional intelligence. And three, just not being self-focused. When these three things occur in the self-domain, let me explain what spills over into the relationship domain. As we continue to grow a better version of ourselves and we bring that better version of self into our relationships with others, then we can help make them healthier. For example, a better self will bring more selfless love, better focus, more empathy, better listening, and more support for those we are with. You know what, but maybe it's better to think of what we wouldn't bring into the relationship with a better self. We wouldn't bring pride. We wouldn't bring arrogance, distractedness, apathy, disregard, and opposition. Unfortunately, and all too often, when it comes to relationships, we expect other people to do all the work to improve the relationship, whether it's a romantic relationship, family or friend relationship, or work in public relationships. We tend to say, hey, they're the problem, not us. Now, if you think this, my friend, I'm going to need you to go back to domain number one and work on yourself. (laughs) There isn't a single person out there that is 100% responsible for the problems in your relationships. So no matter the percentage of blame, and please, please, please don't ever try to calculate that, you have to do some work within yourself. But if you haven't done the work and accomplished growth in the self-domain, then how do we even create a positive impact within the various relationships we have? How do we go about being intentional in fostering healthy relationships with others? Now, there's going to be a lot of relationship counselors out there, and I am definitely not one. I just want to share, honestly, my top two favorites of how to make a positive impact on the relationships in your life. Tip number one, always lean in and turn towards. Have you ever felt rejected by someone? I mean, it hurts, doesn't it? God, that takes me back to junior high where it's just like rejection all over the place, right? Whether it's a straightforward, I don't like you or a nonverbal turning away from you, rejection never feels good. Now, a part of Dr. John Gottman's research of couples and what separated relationship masters from, well, as he called it, relationship disasters, he discovered and coined the term bid for connection. Bids are an attempt, a verbal or nonverbal attempt, from one person to another for attention, affirmation, affection, or any other positive connection. Now, brief synopsis of his research has been found in like so many articles online, so you can just look up bids for connection and find them. But I'm going to quote one from Logan Urey, and the title of the article is, Want to Improve Your Relationships? Start paying more attention to bids. (laughs) Now, in her article, Urey summarizes Gottman's research in which there's three ways 
to respond to someone's bid for connection. The first way is turning towards, acknowledging the bid. The second is turning away, and you're pretty much ignoring or just missing the bid. And the third is turning against, where you are rejecting the bid in an argumentative and belligerent way. How we respond to others' bids for connection are internalized by those that put their bid for connection out there. And when there's consistency in the relationship of us turning away or turning against their bids, the relationship moves quickly from hurt to harmed. So let me give you a work example. Let's say you're busy working at your desk and an employee comes over to you to ask a question. Let's say you never stop looking at your computer and you're still continuing to type as he talks to you. His bid for connection was both verbal, he's talking, and nonverbal, he came up to your desk, and your response was turning away and ignoring that bid for connection. Continue that kind of behavior and I promise you are gonna have one disgruntled employee on your team. What you should have done was literally turn toward him. You should have stopped looking at your computer, turned your body to look at him, This turning towards shows a sign of respect, acknowledgement, and caring for what he has to say. Since now so many of you, so many of the listeners are still working remotely, I want to go with a virtual example as well. Let's say your employee is hosting an online meeting and you agree to attend, except that you keep your video off and you never chime in. Now everybody knows this is not a secret. Everybody knows that when your video is off, you are not fully engaged in the meeting. To turn towards your employee and show respect, you should have your video on and you should show your level of engagement, at least at minimum. And then at the end of the meeting, if you haven't spoken at all, you should publicly thank your employee for hosting. That is turning towards, leaning in. To build healthier relationships, you have to learn to recognize other people's bids for connection with you and turn towards them. One way you can do this is to learn how people in your different relationships relate to others. So for example, this could be from work or personal or any kind of relationship. Just learn their personalities. If it's like a romantic relationship, learn their love language. Or you can just even ask them. Now some general easier to notice bids are when people sigh. Now husbands, you know what I'm talking about with your wives, especially. (sighs) Yeah, that means something. Another option is uh, to look at proximity to you. Are people coming up close to you? Are they sitting by you? That usually means something. They're, they're wanting a bid for connection. What about starting up a conversation? Engage with them. What about a request for your time? That includes things from like, hey, you wanna hang out? You wanna watch something? Hey mom, come watch me play this video game. That's a bid for connection. And then there's even physical outreach, which usually only occurs in family relationships. You know, the, the pat, the touch. Um, when we get out of our heads and actually pay attention to what others are saying and doing, it's going to create a greater impact in growing deep and meaningful relationships. All right, that was a lot, but there's a second tip I have to say. If tip number one is turn towards and lean in, tip number two (laughs) is on the backside of that of you got to learn how to resolve conflict. To make a positive impact on relationships, you have to know how to navigate the turbulent waters of conflict between yourself and others and conflict between people to people. Now, if you go back to episode 10, resolving conflict using the ACDC method, you're going to learn all the specific ways to work through conflict. But you're probably asking, if I have a whole podcast episode dedicated to conflict, then why am I talking about it again? (laughs) 
because where there are people and relationships, there will be conflict. And guess what the average leader spends the majority of his or her time doing? Resolving conflict. The truth is that conflict is unavoidable because of the diversity of beliefs, personalities, thoughts, and cultures among people. But conflict can also be a beautiful thing when it's handled well. It can produce the fruit of lessons learned and innovation like no other. Do not be scared of conflict. Seriously, think about all the amazing, important life lessons you've learned. And I bet most of them came from some sort of conflict. Now, think about why innovation is even needed in the first place. Innovation is usually needed because of constraints, aka conflict. Conflict or constraints that are placed on people or systems. That's how innovation is born. So making a positive impact with people means that we're intentional with how we engage in interactions. And this goes for conflict within relationships too. If we follow tip number one, where we're fully present with them in our interactions and we're paying attention to their verbal and nonverbal cues, then we can use that power of the pause button that we now have because of our higher emotional intelligence from the self-domain. And our pause button allows us to not only take time to reflect on our own feelings, but those of others so we know how to respond in that conflict. And because we are secure (laughs) in who we are, We are open to listening to feedback and we start going for the win-win because we're not self-focused. Now, it's also important for me to remind you of your natural tendency and mine too, (laughs) to tell stories to ourselves, which is a very sharp skill that we have during conflict. We fill in gaps of missing information with our own stories about the person we're speaking to and their intentions. Now, of course, our stories paint us as the victor or the victim, and the other person's always the loser or the villain. And then we develop some sort of spiral toxic thought, and we hold on to them as though all of those stories are true. To foster healthy relationships, you have to work to stop the storytelling in your mind. You know, any stories that you may jump to, and instead seek to understand the other person first. You can, in fact, stop your train of thought. Use that pause button and then lay a new track. Don't assume you know all the facts or their intentions, and instead make it safe and in a humble tone, ask an open-ended question that allows them to share their thoughts or intentions. In thinking about making a positive impact, the word impact implies that there must be at least two objects so that one can act as a compelling force on the other. And well, where there are two people, there is a relationship. We must be intentional in growing positive relationships with others around us by leaning in and turning towards and working to resolve conflict. Today, we walked through the first two domains of impact, the self and relationships, because they are what creates the momentum for positive impact within all the other three domains, culture, organization, and community. So join me next week in episode 14 as we cover the last three domains of impact. Now go forth and build your life and leadership on the essential rocks. God bless. Hey, it's Bethany again. If you're enjoying the Leadership on the Rocks podcast, be sure to subscribe so you don't miss a single episode. Also, If you feel like this podcast is helpful, will you do me a favor and share it with your friends, family, coworkers, or anybody else who's trying to grow in leadership? 
but also wants to have that harmony between work and home? Thanks, and I'll see you next week. Remember, the most important rock you can build your life and leadership on is the rock of Jesus Christ. Today's Bible verse comes from Proverbs 27, verse 19. As in water, face reflects face, so the heart of man reflects the man.